I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Eight Woman Podcast, where we bring you uplifting stories from women of the diaspora. Their successful journeys are sure to inspire the next generation of young South Asians. Just a heads up, this interview was recorded during peak pandemic and we left in references to COVID. Today, we're chatting with Rujita Vaidya, a US-based, globally recognized and accredited Bollywood choreographer. I've performed at many Sangeets to the iconic number from English English, Navrai Maji. Rujita is a lady behind those moves. Born and raised in New Jersey, she attended dance classes as a young girl but soon realized her heart lay in choreography. She was trained by none other than the legendary Bollywood choreographer Saroj Khan. Rujuta is now the international creative lead on Dance with Madhuri, a celebrity-backed online gamified dance platform. Let's find out how dance is an intrinsic part of Rujuta's journey. Hi Rujuta. Welcome to the Eight Woman Podcast. Hi, Monica. How are you? Very well, thanks. How was it growing up as a Desi girl in suburban New Jersey? Did you have to juggle dual personas? That's actually a very, very interesting question you ask because growing up in New Jersey at the time that I did, it was a bit difficult because there really weren't too many Indians around. People didn't really know much about our culture, about where we came from, any of that. A lot of times I used to hide who I was and where we came from and the fact that I was Indian, especially that I did Indian dance. I never really shared that with anyone because I almost was a little bit embarrassed of it. I did get a little bit of racism and segregation as a kid. So anything that had to do with my culture, I kind of ran in the opposite direction in terms of sharing it. What did you dislike about being South Asian? It's not that I disliked it. I actually loved being South Asian. I was one of those kids that came home from school and instead of watching cartoons, I was popping in my parents' Satte Pe Satta DVD and Zamane Ko Dikhana Hai, not DVD, sorry, the VHS cassettes that we were popping in at the time. I was very much enamored by Bollywood, which influenced the culture because at the time we didn't have anything else around us to get to know what our motherland and culture back home was about. We gravitated towards the movies to learn about it. So I actually loved being South Asian, but I just couldn't share it with anyone, which was really, really difficult. As somebody who was so passionate about Bollywood dancing and South Asian culture, how did you juxtapose that with your American reality? Did you have to do something different? Do you have any stories you can share? I had two personalities, two worlds that I lived in. There was my school life and school world where I was an American girl named Rajuda. Then there was my home life and my dance life where I got to live out 
everything about and embrace my culture. It was interesting because I never really was able to, for a very long time, combine the two. They were completely separate from each other. I don't think it was until I was probably in high school where I actually was able to find sort of a happy medium between the two worlds and actually share what I do with my non-Indian friends and have them appreciate it. What would you say is something that's very American about you and then what's very Indian about you? What's very American about me? Hmm. Firstly, well, I love American food. (laughs) Cheeseburgers and fries and all of that is pizza is comfort food for us. What's very American about me is as Americans, we're very formal. We don't take things for granted. We don't expect things from our friends. I now live in Bombay, part of my year. And I see that in Bombay, everything's very casual. And it's very expected that if you do something for someone else, they do it for you. But in America, we're very formal. And we ask and we request, we take consent for everything we do. Considerate is the wrong word, actually. But we're always concerned about what we do and what the reactions of other people would be and what the consequences of that action might be. Whereas in in a contemporary Indian society, everyone is very giving with each other, is what I've experienced, which is quite nice. I actually am really blended between two. Maybe Americans are way more politically correct than Indians are. And maybe that's the word you're looking for. Indian person would have no qualms looking you saying, Moti yogi hai, you put on weight, are you pregnant? <laughs> like no filter. Correct. Not thinking like, oh, if I say this, what is the re- repercussion of this? Right. It's just like, hey, this is what I feel. I'm going to say it. Do you do that, Rujuta? I can't. I can't. That's the American part of me that I will always think twice and say, how will this make someone feel? Or is it not very nice to say that? Or is this overly enthusiastic about something? Like, I think about that before I make any sort of a statement. When did you know that choreography and not dancing was your calling? I actually went into dance in a very strange, almost organic way. I did not go to school for dance. I was a pre-med student at Boston University. My parents wanted me to be a doctor, which at the time, our parents only gave us certain options, doctor, lawyer, engineer. I picked the medical route. After I graduated from Boston University, um, I begged my parents to let me take a couple of months off and go train with Saroj Khan in India. Let me rewind for a second. When I was younger, I was a big Bollywood buff. I used to watch every one of Madhuri's performances and learn the dances. After a while, that I realized that she wasn't putting this together. There was someone who was called a choreographer who did this. My parents would take us to all the Indian shows that would come to the U.S. I was very young. I was probably 12 years old, 13 years old. And at the end of every show, they introduced the choreographer. I don't know what it was, but from that time, I remember every time they introduced the choreographer, I would look at my parents at the end of a show and be like, you know, she has my job, right? They would be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We brought you to the show. Now go home and study for your test. I think in my head from even that time onwards, I never planned or thought that Bollywood dance could be a career in the US. I always thought I would go into the medical field. And just, I think, saying what I want to do was be behind the scenes and set the numbers was always something that I kind of knew that was more my calling than actually being 
a dancer or being the person that was in the limelight. Doesn't Vaidya mean doctor? <laughs> yes, it does. Do you come from a family of doctors? There's no doctors in our family. It was just Indians being Indians here. Everybody 80s and 90s wanted their kids to be doctors, lawyers or engineers. So your parents are thrilled that you've put aside your choreography aspirations and you're now in the pre-med line. And then it's your summer holidays and you beg them to send you to India. What were they thinking and what was in your mind? It was after I graduated from college and I was going to be studying for my MCATs. That's when I said, hey, can you give me like six months? I just want to go train. Please let me go. It was a lot of tug of war. There were a lot of fights. All of that happened. They finally said, okay, we'll give you some time. My mom came with me to India because she said, I want to check out what you're going to go do and where are you going? Because at the time, Bollywood was a little taboo. So they were a little nervous and a little scared to even let me do that much. So my mom accompanied me when we went to go meet Saroj Khan. And after she met her and Masterji assured my mom, she said, from this day forward, if you leave your daughter here with me, she is under my watch. And I promise you, nothing will happen to her. No one will touch her. Please have faith in that. Based on that, my parents said, okay, go ahead. Did your parents seriously think you were going to go back to med school after they gave you the six-month break? I think they did because, again, at the time, it was really not possible that Bollywood could have been a career in the U.S. There were no dance schools. Nobody even knew what Bollywood was. When I started doing what I did, I actually used to go to gyms in New York City and knock on the doors and get meetings. And I would have to sit down and explain to people what Bollywood was. Where did it come from? What was the style? I had one of the first Bollywood dance schools in New Jersey. At the time, there really was no path that anybody else had carved and etched out that I could follow and say, hey, look, this person's done it and this is what I can do. I don't think my parents really thought that this could be possible, nor did I. It just all really happened organically from the fact that I was very, very passionate about dance and I just had to find avenues to have a source of dancing. We wanted to satisfy one of your whims when you went and took that break. It was just a desire, like a bucket list. Check off. I love Saroj Khan. Growing up, I would be like, oh, if I ever met her, I'd just be like, oh, Master G, just teach me one step. I would play this out in my head. And when I finally met her one day on a tour that she had come to the US for, I actually went up to her and said this. And then I asked her, I said, if I come to India, will you train me? She gave me her number and she said, when you get to India, you call me. And I said, oh, okay. And that's when this whole process in my head started that, okay, I got to take a break and I need to go. I planned everything out with my parents, got the okay. Then I called her from here and I said, hi, Master G, I'm going to come. You'll train me. And she said, when you get here, you call me. And I was like, okay, is that like a yes or no? And she wouldn't answer me. I got on a plane with my mom, went to India. I called her and I said, I'm here. So you'll train me? And she's like, you come to the studio tomorrow morning at 5.30 a.m. And she still didn't say yes or no. And I was like, oh God. And my mom was like, well is this happening or not? Because we just flew all the way here and now you don't know what's happening. I was like, okay, let's go to the studio. We go at 5.30 a.m. to Filmalaya Studios in Bombay. We get to the studio. She walks in with her sound guy. She sits down on the couch, very straight face, just says, hello. And I was like, hi. She tells her assistant sound. She puts on a song. She looks at me and she goes, notch. And I said, excuse me? And she's like, yeah, dance. 
And I said, okay. And she had an eight and a half minute song play. She just made me freestyle dance. I was dying because I had no idea what I did. Finished the song and I just stood there and I looked at her. I didn't know what to say at that point. She looked at me and she looked at my mom. She said, I'll train you. And I said, okay, that's how it happened. And it couldn't have been easy for a girl brought up in the US to adjust to life in India. How did you manage that? Did you ever regret your decision to go to India? Never regretted it. It was the best thing I did. My family is Maharashtrian. Mumbai is fully Marathi speaking. It was easy for me because I speak Marathi fluently and some Hindi. I grew up going to Bombay quite a bit. It was almost like a second home. My parents have a house there. We always went back and forth. It wasn't so foreign to me as such. Sure, living the lifestyle took a little getting used to. We all know that India is very different from America infrastructurally and with many things. But I was so passionate about what I went there for that I loved it. Didn't bother me at all. What, as an American girl, would you say bothered you about India? hygiene. From the minute you get off that plane as an American, you get out of the airport. Now it's much better. But at that time, the first thing you would see would be all the poverty. That is something to date that I really have a difficult time with. I have a hard time seeing so many homeless people. It's really sad. And I don't think I will ever become really desensitized to that. As people say that the longer you stay there, you become desensitized. I hope that in my time in Bombay, I'm going to be able to do something for that community. I do plan on that. I will work on that and and hopefully be able to make a change and help in some way. How long did you train with Saroj Khan? I started training with her right after I graduated from college. And then I would keep going back and forth like six months, come back, eight months, come back. Then I also actually set up workshops for Master G in the U.S. and had her travel, all of U.S. doing workshops. I would say approximately about 20 years. Oh, wow. When did you know you were ready to branch out on your own? What was that first break? Everything was so organic. After I came back from my first trip from India, I said, okay, I have to do something. Where am I going to dance? Let me just start teaching kids in the community. My parents very sweetly turned their garage into a dance studio for me. I would work a day job at the time because I said, I'm not going back. I'm not doing MCATs. How was that taken when you said, I'm not doing the MCATs? Mm, mm, Not so great. Not so great. But they still were supportive. They did help me with the, the dance studio in the garage. I started teaching kids in the community. And then literally one thing just led to another. I started getting stage shows, weddings, corporate events, even some South Asian pop artists from the UK, from Canada. I started touring with them, doing all sorts of different types of projects. My first TV project was for PBS. I did a film with this lovely, lovely, lovely human being, Nisha Ganatra, who is a director with the film Cosmopolitan. Roshan Seth was in it and Carol Kane. And then five years after that, Nisha was directing a Disney film called Cheetah Girls, One World. It's a a Disney franchise, part three of the trilogy. The Cheetah Girls were going to India. Nisha brought me back on to that film. And that was my first big break into Hollywood. 
was there a defining moment for you where you said, aha, Rujuta, you've made it. Damn girl, you've done it. I don't think I have had that moment of, I made it. I still don't think that at all. There's so much more to do, right? So many ways to expand and grow. I got a long way to go. I had an interesting moment when I did choreograph for the Oscars. I'll never forget this moment because I was backstage and we were rehearsing, getting ready. I had just come off working with AR on the stage, walked to the back and my phone was ringing off the hook. I was like, what is this? Who's calling? It was South Asian media from all over the world. There were people from India. There were people from the UK, people from Germany, US. They were like, we know you're there and you're working on the Oscars and we just want to get like behind the scenes. Can you talk us through it? All of a sudden it hit me and I was like, wow, this is a moment. It is a moment. How did your parents react to something like choreography for the Oscars? Because you've probably made a hell of a more successful career in choreography than you would have in medicines. Now, if you have to revisit it with your parents, how do they feel? Actually, they have those few moments that they go back to that. They'll be like, oh, yay, she does this. This is great. And they'll tell their friends and family. But they'll still under their breath once in a while be like, you are a doctor. And I was like, really? It's done. It's over. Do you have siblings who satisfied that craving of theirs? I do have siblings, but they did not go into medicine either. (laughs) Did you have any mentors other than Saroj Khan and possibly Nisha Ganatra? When I worked on The Cheetah Girls, I was the Indian choreographer on the film. And there was the American hip-hop choreographer, Fatima Robinson. She was really incredible because she took me under her wing, showed me the ropes and helped me get my first agent in Hollywood. I'm very grateful to her for guiding me through the commercial world, which I knew nothing about. What memory stands out from the Oscar choreography moments? All of it. It was like being able to share my culture, which I hid growing up on this international platform that literally the world was going to be watching and getting that kind of appreciation for our culture. At the time, I remember being in like the lounge area and there were some really amazing A-list Hollywood celebrities who were just like, wow, we're so excited about your piece. It looks great and so beautiful. And I was just like, oh my God, it was a moment. It was really, really special. Was your choreography all A.R. Rahman songs? I did his piece for Slumdog Millionaire. There was a medley, so we did that. And basically, I helped to choreograph the whole song nominations. It was A.R. Rahman's song nominations, and John Legend was also nominated for Pixar's film Wally. I did some choreography for his track as well. What year is this, in case anybody wants to Google it? That was 2009. How did English for English fall into your lap? And how did you do those iconic moves for Navrai Maji? Touch wood. I've been really fortunate, Monica, that I've never gone looking for work. God has been very kind. And these projects have just organically come my way. English for English, they had come here. They were scouting for choreographers. Someone had suggested my name. They said, this is what she does. And she's Marathi. The song is a Marathi song. So she may just fit the bill. I met with Gauri Shinde, who's also a Maharashtrian. I hit it off right away. I had just gotten married very recently. And she really felt that I could understand the narrative of the story and the song and what was happening in it. And hopefully bring that to life. That's how 
English for English came about. The choreography was interesting. I went in to that rehearsal, obviously very nervous, because here's a moment that you are actually getting to choreograph for your iconic legend, your idol, right? I grew up watching Sri Devi, trying to copy her moves. So I went in really, really super nervous to meet her and to work with her. She was amazing and very kind and said, let's get to a place where you're happy with what you see on me. We basically had a set of 10 different little combos of choreography and whatever she felt that suited her the best, we pulled it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Unused. How did banging it fall into your lap? Am I pronouncing it correctly? Banging it? Banging? It's banging it. But it is spelled like pangra. B-H-A-N-G-I-N, banging it. It was interesting as well. I had two children back to back. And so I took a break from being out there and working and networking and all of that. We all know that when you do that, especially in the world of entertainment, if you're not seen, you're not there. It was a quiet time for me. And then one day I got up and I said to my husband, okay, that's it. There was a premiere for something. And I said, let's just go out. I need to like get back out there. I wanted to see this film that the Indo-American Arts Council was showing. Got there, met a few people, and somebody said, oh, you're back to working, whatever. I said, yeah, I'm around, very casually. The next day, I got a call asking me if I was interested in listening to a script that was a musical. And I said, sure. <laughs> and that's how Banging It happened. Tell us about it. It's a musical. It's a theater production. It is a story about a biracial girl who is trying to find her roots and figure out who she is. Her only connect to her culture is her Bhangra team. She gets kicked off her Bhangra team because the mean girl on the team says, well, you're not Indian enough. She goes and forms her own ragtag team and takes them to nationals to compete against this team that she got kicked off of and how she sort of comes to an understanding of who she really is and how she's connected to her culture. It's a really fun, pitch perfect type of story. The great and the actually unique thing about this show is that for the first time, you get to see people doing Bangra, Bollywood, Kathak, hip hop, all these Western forms of dance, but singing it live. We've never really seen that in the Indian dance world as such, right? It's always tracks. Bollywood is playback singing. Musical theater and the Indian dance world has never really, really come together in a way that it has in this show. I'm super excited because it's a thrill for the audience to be able to see this happening. That's so fascinating. Choreography means teaching dancing, right? Is it always Bollywood dancing for you? Are you now immersed fully in your South Asian identity? Bollywood, in essence, is a fusion form. It has that base of Indian classical or Indian folk weaved in all throughout, but it fuses with so many other forms. So whether it's like a Latin style or hip hop or any contemporary style ballet, Bollywood has many genres within it and always as a form 
has fused with Western forms. I do have those Western forms in me as well. What's really special with Bangin' It is that I can bring all those forms really to life in this show because there's so much versatility in the music and the styles of each number. When it comes to a stage production and a musical, there's a lot about staging of the show, which takes place, which is very different from doing choreography for a song for A.R. Rahman or for the Black Eyed Peas or for Britney Spears. This is telling a story in musical theater. It's not just steps, but staging and trying to deliver the narrative of the show is also a very important part of the choreographer's job. Thanks to you, Bollywood dance was a part of NYU's Tisch curriculum. So you became a teacher. Did you find that only Indians, Desis were interested in Bollywood or did you have non-Indians? How easy or difficult was it for them to pick up the steps and how did you create this curriculum? We had no Indians in the class, no South Asians. It was all non-Indians. It was part of their drama program. I had someone approach me, a professor from the drama program, and said, would you like to come teach for the, the program? And I gave it a thought and I said, what would I teach them? What makes sense, right? Like, I don't want to waste anyone's time. It's not a dance program. It's an acting program. So what really makes sense? I created a program where I realized that a lot of actors, especially kids that are just starting out, the freshmen, sophomore, juniors, students, they don't know what to do with their bodies from neck down. They could be amazing actors from neck up. They're great with their diction, with their delivery of speech, the monologues, the, the dialogues, and they're great at expression. But oftentimes they don't know what to do neck down. They're just kind of hanging when their body language is not appropriate. It doesn't connect. I started to teach them what to do with their bodies so that they understand how to connect expression with body language. Bollywood dance is a beautiful example of that because Bollywood choreography dance movements don't come to life and don't read until, unless and until you actually take that expression on your face and match it to what you're doing. Can you describe an example of what you mean? If you did any of the Bollywood hook steps for a lot of the movies and you just use your body, a lot of Western forms of dance, when they train, they don't have to do anything with their face. Blank. Just hit the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. But in Bollywood, say you had like a shimmy step. You had smile, you had expression, you had a wink, you had eyes. When you match the two, that movement completely changes and comes to life. Indian dance as such is so much about expression. We look at the South Indian classical dance styles. They do a whole segment of teaching and curriculum in that dance style just on expression, abhine. Indian dance as a form is so deep-rooted in the expression and connecting the expression to the movement. If we teach non-trained dancers as such, if we teach actors how to make this connection via Bollywood dance, I realized that it would even help them when they started delivering their dialogues. And did it help your students? Did they enjoy it? Did you get feedback? They loved it. We got great feedback. The professors saw a big improvement in their body language 
when they were doing their acting assignments. It was mission accomplished from my end. So it was a great experience. Talk to us about going to India. Why did you decide to go and what did you do in India? India was always in the back of my mind. I always wondered, oh, what would happen if I went to India and spend some time? When I was training with Master G when I was very young, she would always tell me, stay, I'll put you in the stage show. You can be a dancer. You can do background dancing. But in my mind, being a dancer was never part of the equation. It was straight to choreography. I always wondered with all the different dance shows, ad films and whatnot, what would happen if I was there? Would there be more work for me? Would I succeed? Would I not succeed? Right before COVID, my husband had a job opportunity that asked him to go to India and be there for a couple of years. He just proposed that to me and said, do you want to go? Let's give it some thought. My kids are still young enough that I could do it. And I said, yeah, I've always thought about it. It's been there in the back of my mind. Why not? We took the plunge. But the great thing is that I have a home here. My parents are here in New Jersey. We have done quite a bit of back and forth. I've always said my ideal life would be six months in America and six months in India. So we'll see how it goes. How differently are you raising your kids as compared to the way you were raised? Are they immersed in South Asian Indian culture identity? My kids are very Indian living in a Western world because I'm very Indian as such. And their father is from Mumbai. There's a lot of influence. We also always had a lot of family around. I have a big family here and my husband's family would visit a lot. And since the time that they were born, every year we would go for two months at a time. So they were always exposed, always involved in cultural activities. Bombay for them also was a home away from home. They understood and spoke a little Marathi. I had them in Hindi classes. Moving there wasn't so traumatic or dramatic because they were already very familiar with the place. They were just going to the second home for some time. It's a lot of back and forth. In India, I'm trying to find ways to have them still connected with the Western culture. I've actually enrolled them in an international school where they have one teacher from the U.S. and one teacher from India. And the teaching style, as well as the curriculum, is in line with the American school system. I'm balancing both worlds. We still do all the holidays properly. We did Halloween. I had them dress up and did a little Halloween party for them. When I was here, we used to always go full out on Christmas. So I managed to get a six-foot tree there, the lights, did the house up, Christmas gifts on Christmas morning, Santa comes and visits, cookies and milk. The little American traditions that we had here, I try to keep them going there. You grew up facing a certain amount of racism. Do you think it's different now with your kids? Absolutely, especially being in New Jersey, where after the Hispanic population, Indians are the next largest immigrant population. I don't think they will really know what racism is here because they had many Indian kids in their school. They never had to explain to anyone what their culture was about. It was a known thing. So far, I don't think I've seen them have to go through any difficulties in terms of feeling like they were discriminated against or anything like that. It's a very, very different world for them. What's their favorite thing to do in India? Play with kids in the building. They love the social aspect of India, 
where at the drop of a hat, someone is around, being able to be connected to friends and family. I have very social kids, even when they were here. So they love that lifestyle. How do you feel India has changed from the India that you remember when you were growing up? The India that I remember when I was growing up was very Indian and very deep rooted in its culture and its tradition. I can only speak for Bombay, right? Mumbai. I don't know other parts of India and what it's like. But in the city, what I've seen happen over the years is that there is more of a gravitation towards the Western world. It's really influenced the city in many, many ways, whether it's through uh, simple things such as cuisine and restaurants and the availability of so many different types of food and you can get anything that you need to people going to malls, eating out, shopping. All of that has changed dramatically. It's become very much like the U.S. I remember growing up and going to India, none of my families went out to eat just because. It was always like an occasion. Now it's the norm. It's exactly like we are here. It could be a weekday. You don't feel like eating home food. Let's order in. It's very, very, very similar to lifestyle here. I will say that is also of a very specific demographic. It's your middle class to upper class, of course, that has adopted many Western daily routine habits that were not there before. Professionally, being in India, what kind of doors are opening for you? I was really lucky. I got this amazing opportunity to be with the Dance with Madhuri platform. And I just working with my idol was really a dream come true. Can you explain Dance for Madhuri? Dance with Madhuri is a dance platform that offers instructional dance in maybe some 50 different styles on the platform. It is basically great for any level dancer, whether you are someone who wants to really further your dance studies or someone who wants to just dabble in it or someone who wants to come to the platform for fitness. It's a really, really amazing platform that has a lot of diversity for anybody who just wants to get moving. Madhuri Dixit is the brand ambassador for the platform. It's her platform. Who could be better than her to launch something like this in India? What they wanted to do was they wanted to basically integrate into the international dance space and dance world and connect with the dancers from abroad. I have come in basically to bridge that gap between the two worlds. That is so fascinating. What in your opinion is different about doing choreography in Hollywood as compared to Bollywood? Firstly, a lot of our films, we have the Bollywood industry, which are musicals, right? In in the film world. In film in the US, you don't really have musicals as such. Any of the musicals that have been turned into films, that's a different story. But in Bollywood, you have so much opportunity for dance because that is the culture and that's the definition of a Bollywood film from day one, that it is a musical. So working in Bollywood, there's just definitely much more opportunity for me than there would be in in Hollywood. What about live stage choreography? Have you done any for Bollywood shows? I had done here for Bollywood Awards and stage shows with different artists, pop artists and tours, but not in India yet. I got to India and 10 days later, lockdown went into effect. Dance with Madhuri was just really a blessing that came out of nowhere. And I was able to do from being in my home and not having to step out. Are there any ego hassles as a South Asian? Do they feel like, who are you to tell us? What do you know about that kind of dance? I haven't really faced that. Fortunately, 
Everyone I've worked with has been pretty respectful in terms of our working relationships. So not so much. I did see a bit of it back in the day when I had to explain to people what Bollywood was or when I would start teaching, people would be a little apprehensive and be like, who's this Indian chick trying to teach me something? That was way back in the day. Now, not really, not so much. So what advice would you have for kids in the US now who want to make a career in Bollywood choreography? Would you have done things differently knowing what you know now? I don't think I could have done things too differently or would have done things too differently because I had to carve out my own path. There was nobody I could follow and say, this is what I can do with with the skill set that I have. My advice to the kids would be to find your own path not do something because it's a trend. I understand how social media works and everybody follows the trend that's happening. But what I've seen over the years is the people that are the most successful are the ones that do find their own niche and carve out their own paths and not follow what everyone else is doing. So find what works for you. Don't follow the masses. How different is it now for mainstream Western entertainment? Do you see more diverse representation? Definitely. There is the whole people of color movement that is happening in the theater space, in the entertainment space. It's a great time for South Asians in this field. What we see with Banging It is interesting because we actually had a very, very difficult time casting our show. We're looking for people who are triple threats, who can sing, act, and dance. The kids who grew up in a generation where their parents weren't so understanding of the field and they only put them in one or two as a hobby, right? You want to dance, go dance. Or you want to act, go act. You want to sing, go sing. They never really understood that to be a contender in this field, you need to do all three. So now, even though the opportunity is there for the South Asian market, we actually don't have people who are equipped. What I hope and what I actually am seeing is that the younger generation is starting to understand that you need to be a master of everything. They're starting to really train, get themselves prepared, get strong in the field and in their skill set. They will eventually be amazing contenders for all the mainstream opportunities. It will no longer be like, oh, I'm getting this role because a person of color needs to get it, but I'm getting this role because I'm actually a strong contender for this role, despite the color that I am. What would you tell the parents to do differently to give their children an equal footing in the entertainment world? How young do they need to start? Parents now are more aware of what's happening and what they need to do if these kids actually want to go into this field. They don't have the mindset that my parents' generation had, that the only place you can be successful is if you're a doctor, lawyer, engineer. The parents now see that there is a place and a space for our child to go and still be successful and not worry about having a career. They can make this a career. That simple mindset change is affecting the generation that's now training to go into the field. And I think if they're interested, start them young. But my advice is that they should definitely give them a diverse training portfolio versus just going into singing, dancing, or acting. Get it all. Because if they do want to eventually be contenders in that world, they will need to have it all under their belt. 
What about your kids? Do your parents secretly tell them you have to become a doctor? My father now tells my daughter, like he's watching some singing show on Z or Sony. And he's like, see, see, he's like, look, look, he's like, go to take singing classes. Like you can be on there too, you know? And I'm thinking in my head, like, really? Like, I cannot believe you're telling her this, but I guess they also understand that now there is opportunity if this is something you're interested in. And if you work hard enough and if you're good at it, you can be successful. Do you see a future for Bollywood on stage? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think the trend is going to change. Banging It is a great stepping stone for that to happen. Banging It is being developed for Broadway. Our fingers are crossed. Let's see what happens in the next couple of years. A show getting on Broadway is a very long process. And we are well in it and on the right track. Hopefully we'll be there. I would also bring this world to India and see if I can develop the musical theater world over there. We have such talented people over there as well. There's no reason why musical theater shouldn't be growing and shouldn't be its own industry in India. What drives you to wake up every morning? My children is the first thing. I find that when I'm the busiest and my schedule is packed, sleep is no longer something that I enjoy. I want to get up. I'm like, oh, I got to work on this. So automatically I'll wake up and wanting to get up because I have something to look forward to do what I love. Where do you see yourself 10 years from now? I would really love to work on developing the performing arts field in India and hope that 10 years from now, maybe I have an institute over there where I can bring the right teachers from here and really develop the performing arts theater world in India. Maybe one day, India, Bombay will have a Broadway type of a setup. I would love to do that. What would your guru Saroj Khan say if she saw Rujuta today? She would say, keep at it. Keep at it. Keep going. You have a lot more to do. No words of praise from her. No, no. It will always be work harder. Work harder. That was just her. She did it to herself. She never really praised her own work. She always looked forward to say and see what she could do next to be better than the one before. I have a rapid fire round for you. Are you ready? Okay. What is your favorite piece of Bollywood choreography? It would be Salame Ishq. Your favorite Bollywood song to choreograph? Mardala Devdas. Hollywood or Bollywood? Bollywood always. John Legend or Dev Patel? John Legend. Shri Devi, Priyanka Chopra or Britney Spears? Shri Devi. Your favorite celebrity to choreograph? Shri Devi. What's your preferred beverage? Coffee. <laughs> favorite meal to cook? Chicken curry. Bombay or New Jersey? That's a tough one. New Jersey, it's home. Kathak or Bharatnatyam? Kathak. Favorite holiday destination? Bali. Lovely. Rujita, on behalf of my colleague, Mera Jai Shankar and me, thanks for spending time chatting with us. It's been a real pleasure. For our listeners, you can follow this and other podcasts on our social media handle at Ake Women Global on Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn. Thanks for tuning in. Namaste. Thank you.